mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, can AI help you get more Z's? A new CNET report examines the use of artificial intelligence to improve sleep quality. Does it really work? Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, the United Way is involved in a collaborative effort to address the need for affordable quality child care, an issue that's not unique to Hancock County. Finley YMCA is busy ramping up their child development programming to coincide with back-to-school season. We'll tell you what's happening. And it's almost time to kick off another high school football season, and for the Findlay Trojans, it's a whole new ballgame, sort of. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. So the big story, um, issue one was defeated at the polls yesterday. Huge turnout. Generally, these special elections in August do not generate a whole lot of turnout. But it was something like 40% of Hancock County. I don't know what it was nationally, uh, nationally or uh, statewide, rather. I don't know what the turnout was, but uh, for Hancock County, it was something like 40% of registered voters, which for an August election is just unheard of, especially with only one thing on the uh, ballot. So clearly for both sides, this was an issue that resonated quite strongly because it was very, very strong turnout. And the measure passed in Hancock County and I think all of these surrounding counties um, – Maybe with the exception of Wood County. I think Wood County uh, voted no. But I think uh, all of the county-by-county uh, county breakdown was – and this is kind of the way most everybody expected this to go. Um, this issue was never going to pass in the large urban counties of Ohio. Uh, so the only question was, would enough people turn out in the – more conservative rural counties of Ohio to counterbalance that. And uh, it turned out not to be the case. It was not enough. And uh, the uh, issue one question uh, raising the bar for a constitutional amendment to a supermajority for ballot initiatives uh, goes down to defeat. And um, so there it is. Uh, that's the That's the result. Ironically... The measure failed. The no votes were almost the 60% threshold, <laughs> I, ironically. It was like 57% to 43%, something like that. So it was very, uh, very close to being a supermajority opposed to the supermajority question for a constitutional amendments. So just coming, uh, kind of interesting There's a side note on that whole thing. And folks will be talking about it and analyzing that over the next uh, 24 or 48 hours, one of the big stories that you'll continue to hear about through the course of the day today. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. This is, I don't know what to make of this. The planet Mars is spinning faster. This was the first story on the Newswire, no lie. This is the first story on the Newswire that jumped out at me. And I'm thinking, this can't be good, right? Um, scientists in Belgium say that data from NASA's decommissioned InSight Mars lander led them to discover that the planet's rotation is accelerating by about four milliseconds per year. Uh, that would be 1,000 milliseconds uh one thousand well is four milliseconds uh a year one thousand milliseconds equals one second the uh scientist said it could be from the ice accumulating on the polar caps which results in a rise in land mass so apparently they have the opposite problem that we do on earth they talk about on earth uh global warming and all the ice is melting and apparently they're they have the opposite problem on mars Largely, of course, because we haven't colonized it yet. Once we get there, we'll take care of all of the ice. Uh, well, <laughs> well, we'll start warming up that planet, and it'll be fine. Um, officials say they will continue analyzing the data, but Mars is spinning faster. Interesting. This uh, also was one of the stories that jumped out at me uh, this morning, and I thought it was uh, very interesting. Uh, COVID-19 hospitalizations in the U.S. are on the rise. 
for the second week in a row, the number of people being hospitalized for the virus surged more than 12%, according to the CDC. Now, that said, in nearly half of the U.S., nearly half of the states, the spike is actually much higher. Many states, which I guess uh, if you average it to 12%, half the state's going to be higher. I guess that's not that big of a surprise if you really think about it. But anyway, uh, many states across the country say uh, it's been more than a 20% increase in hospitalizations for COVID-19. New Hampshire, the biggest state, uh, with an increase of 96% over the uh, course of the past week, uh, that is more than double the week before. So I don't know what's causing it. I, I have no idea. But uh, And I, I don't think we're headed back to pandemic-era restrictions or anything like that. But the number of COVID hospitalizations is spiking. Nobody knows uh, exactly why. And speaking of COVID, a new study from Dartmouth College finds another unusual side effect of long covid long-term side effect of COVID, face blindness. (laughs) What's that you say? Face blindness? Now, you know that uh, COVID has been linked to uh, loss of taste, loss of smell, um, a a lingering brain fog. Well, researchers found that uh, they found a test subject, and I don't know how many people they found who suffered from this, but at least one that they cited in the study, a woman by the name of Annie, who had COVID-19 in 2020, had difficulty remembering the faces of her family members once she got over the virus. She had difficulty remembering the faces of her family members. She recognized her father, but only when she heard his voice, not when she saw his face. Uh, The story goes on to say that Annie now relies on non-visual cues to recognize people. Study also found that respondents who suffered from long COVID reported difficulty difficulty performing tasks, performing tasks that they were easily able to do before their infection, like visualizing family and friends. So that's weird. So it's amazing to me, uh, even after all this time, we're still learning things about COVID, and particularly about long COVID, the long-term effects of this. So. Interesting. A couple of other uh, items here. It has been very hot this summer. We have actually been pretty fortunate to avoid the excessive heat wave. Although, I was talking with a friend of mine uh, the other day. You remember back in, what was it, May? Right when we were on the cusp of summer and we got like a stretch, a week-long stretch of 90-plus degree weather. And we thought that it was extremely early. And I remember saying... Golly, if it's this hot now, how hot is it going to be through the summer? Well, we've uh, actually been fairly mild. But in a lot of places uh, in the country, they've been suffering from uh, just incredible heat in the south and southwest. In Florida, it is so hot. How hot is it? It is so hot that prisons in Florida are temporarily, temporarily lifting certain dress code restrictions in attempt to combat the heat. The State Department of Corrections has agreed to loosen the uniform policy, allowing inmates to wear shorts and a single-layer shirt until October. It's been, it's been so hot in prison that the inmates uh, are, uh, are suffering. Um, now, of course, a lot of people say, well, we don't care if the inmates suffer, but it can be, you know, the, you know how the heat can make you crazy and make you do crazy things. You don't want... The you know that kind of heat craze in in jail. You know what I mean. You don't want prisoners uh, who are dangerous already to be you know hangry. You know heat hangry because of the heat. Heat anger. You know. Yeah, that's you don't want that. Officials um, also say they are making repairs to water fountains that have been broken for years in some cases. Um. Human rights uh, groups are calling this move a win, but are still working with state lawmakers to do more. The National Weather Service reports that everyone in the entire state is under a heat advisory or an excessive heat warning today. It's uh, very, very hot in Florida. Even the prisons 
relaxing the dress code. Kind of interesting. Um, you know, when it gets really hot outside, you don't. You just want to stay in. Sometimes you just want to stay in. You know, you don't want to go out with your friends. It's great, you know, going out with friends, uh, what have you. But some days you just want to stay home and do nothing. Well, Lazy Boy, the recliner company, Lazy Boy is coming to your rescue, um, relieving some of the stress over the peer pressure involved in turning down an invitation to hang out. Uh, Lazy Boy has announced that its new recliner is the first AI-powered chair that generates cancellation excuses via text message. (laughs) They call it the decliner. (laughs) The company says... Uh, pull you pull the handle on the chair to put your feet up and relax, and when you do so, it automatically texts all of the people in your contact list, so you don't have to sweat coming up with an answer uh, to uh, decline an invitation that you would rather pass on. <laughs> they go out. They you you pull the lever, put your feet up, and it texts everybody. Don't bother me. I'm just staying in. I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> that's that's awesome, right there. That's there are just some times when we just wanna be lazy in <laughs> our lazy boy. <laughs> How about that? And lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Remember yesterday we were talking about uh, the uh, Barbie movie passed a billion dollars uh, at the box office. It is a huge success. And so you probably could have predicted this. The names Barbie and Ken have been enjoying a surprising or maybe not so surprising resurgence in popularity as baby names. (laughs) According to People magazine and the baby naming website Nameberry, searches for Barbie as a baby name have gone up over 600% while searches for the name Ken for a boy have seen nearly a 300% increase in searches since the movie came out. Barbie and Ken are piquing parents' interest, according to the editor-in-chief of Nameberry. Now, that does not mean that that will translate into actual usage. Um, These are both considered dated names, that are not due for a comeback. These things do go in cycles, predictable cycles quite often, and uh, they don't know that people are actually going to name their kids Barbie and Ken, but they are at least considering it. Barbie, by the way, lands at number 1,896 out of 2,000 popular names, while Ken, or Kenneth, uh, lands at number 113 of 2,000 the 2,000 most popular uh, boys' names. So... There is some uh, uh, evidence to suggest that maybe there will be more Kens than Barbies uh, in the near future, but there's uh, at least a lot of more interest. And this always happens with you know pop culture things when things cat- catch fire in pop culture that uh, the baby name searches go up remains to be seen. But if at the end of the year, in in the beginning of two twenty twenty four, uh, we st- talk about Barbie and Ken making a big comeback in baby names. Now you know why. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Sunshine early today, but then clouds roll in. A high in the mid-80s. Showers possible tonight, a low in the mid-60s. Voter turnout was very strong Tuesday as many Ohioans headed to the polls in a special election to make their voices heard on issue one and whether it should be more difficult to amend the Ohio Constitution. It turned out a majority of voters were not comfortable with issue one and it was defeated at the polls. Issue one, had it passed, would have increased the voter approval threshold for constitutional amendments from a simple majority up to 60 percent. Get more on issue one and how this special election played out in this story on our website. 
Yesterday's statewide special election put a strain on local county Board of Election offices. In Seneca County, Board of Elections Director Lori Elkirk says they had to bring in nearly an entirely new pool of poll worker volunteers because most established volunteers are not available to help as Seneca County has only held one other August special election before. Having an August election is strange in and of itself, let alone just for one issue. Wood County had to move two polling locations because Perrysburg High School and Junior High were already hosting events Tuesday night, and they had a similar issue in finding enough volunteers on short notice. WTOL 11's John Monk reporting. Flag City Balloon Fest is this weekend. When have you ever floated above trees? Isn't that cool? That was when we went up on a media flight one of the previous years, and you can see that full video on our website. Balloon Fest is a family-friendly event that features food vendors, live music, glow encounter, a kid zone with inflatables and games, a petting zoo, and much more. It'll be held on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Emory Adams Park. Get more details about Balloon Fest and see video in this story on our website. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is planning its next Citizens Sheriff's Academy class for people interested in learning more about how the Sheriff's Office operates. Sheriff Heldman says each class focuses on a different aspect of the Sheriff's Office, such as crime prevention, policing, firearms, traffic enforcement, and more. The nine-week class will begin September 14th and meet on Thursday nights from 6.30 to 9. Learn more about the Citizens Sheriff's Academy class in the story on our website. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, I think it's safe to say that 2023 will go down as the year that AI exploded onto the scene. Not a week goes by that we don't hear something new about this. Everyone, it seems, has been experimenting with artificial intelligence to try and figure out all the things that it can do. And recently, CNET certified sleep science coach and wellness expert Nasha Adarich Martinez did a week-long experiment using AI-powered technology to determine how and if it can be used to improve sleep. So, Nasha, first off, you are an expert in this field as a sleep science coach, and you are also someone who has experienced sleep issues yourself, right? That is correct, yes. I've been um, studying sleep for some years now on CNET, and we've tried to experiment with all sorts of technology, devices, <laughs> all things. So we are now experts um, and know all the tricks and hacks for better sleep. And that's going to sound familiar to a lot of folks because this is a problem for millions of Americans who feel like, oh, I've tried everything. So how did you do this? What was the experiment? Did you just ask the AI chatbot, how do I get better sleep or, or what? What exactly can I lay this out for us? Yeah, for sure. So I used two types of AI-powered devices. So the first was an AI-powered wearable. Um, It's called Whoop. And basically what it is, it's a fitness tracker combined with AI. So the difference between a regular wearable and an AI wearable is that the regular AI track, I mean, wearable, sorry, Mm -hmm. um, just basically tracks your bio data and your sleep habits, right? And then the AI one combines basically a wellness or sleep coach right on your wrist um, that gives you suggestions and recommendations in real time. Okay. And then I also use ChatGPT, and my prompt was, um, "I can you please develop a nightly routine for a whole week to improve my sleep? And then what it did was that it gave me recommendations every single day. I switched it up every day um, to see which one worked best for me. So what were the results? Let's start with the positives. What went well? Yeah. So I learned a lot about my sleeping habits. So first off was that um, I do want to preface this by saying that my sleep score did not change. That doesn't mean that I don't think it doesn't work. It just means that changing my routine every single day did not work for me. But within those recommendations, I did find the one that did work for me. Um, And I will be sticking with that one. So I was able to explore different routines. Some of them combined going to sleep earlier, reading before bed, trying meditation, breathing exercises. So I got to explore a lot of new things that I haven't tried. Um, 
And then with the wearable, I was able to gain a lot of insight about my sleeping habits, like how many times I'm waking up during the night, um, how long I'm spending in deep sleep and restorative sleep, which is basically the sleep that helps you with your cognitive functions and helps mm-hmm. you feel better the next day. Mm-hmm. What were the limitations of the technology? We talk about the good, and obviously there were some positives that came out of this. What about the not so good? What were the limitations? Yeah, so with these AI wearables, you really cannot detect nor diagnose sleep disorders. You can kind of see patterns, but they are not intended for this use. So we always recommend talking to your doctor if you suspect that you have a sleep disorder like narcolepsy or sleep apnea. Um, Another thing I would mention would be limited accuracy. While this does provide a lot of insight and it's great information for you to know, it's not as reliable as as a lab study. So what it does is that it gives you a sleep score based on averages. So if you have a data for a whole month, it'll give you your sleep score based on that average for a month. But if you're not checking it day to day, then you can't really pinpoint what issues you're having Hmm. when sleeping. Is there anything that you would say goes beyond just a limitation of the technology into the area of... Uh, it's suggesting things that could actually be detrimental to good, healthy sleep. I mean, is there any, are there any dangers here? Yeah, not that I experienced. I think the recommendations were very general. So let's say one day that I didn't get enough sleep, I would say like, hey, you spent less time in restorative sleep. Try going to sleep earlier or try meditating. Um, so all of the suggestions were really generic. I don't think it'll recommend anything that will be detrimental to your health. Yeah, well, and that actually speaks to one of the other things that I was curious about in reading the piece. Some of the AI recommendations uh, that were suggested, uh, like creating a relaxing bedroom environment or practicing relaxation techniques, establishing a routine, limiting stimulants, and so on. None of these are particularly innovative. So at the end of the day, did AI really do anything for you that you didn't already know or that you couldn't have just done on your own? Not exactly. So the way AI works is that it's a, it's a language model that recollects data from oceans and oceans of information that's already on the internet. So yeah. anything that you can Google will basically be the recommendations that it'll give you. At the end of the day, the AI won't help you get better sleep. It all depends on your determination and your well, willingness yeah. to follow the recommendations. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm wondering if that's, uh, in a sense, a limitation itself, because the more uh, advanced uh, this becomes, the more intuitive or the more innovative, I guess, for lack of a better term, that this will, will be, the more data that it has to work with. Absolutely. And I think that's the wonderful thing about it using your biometrics, right? Because it's it's not based off of... So ChatGPT doesn't know anything about you and it'll be more generic. But when you're using an AI wearable, it's actually giving you recommendations based on your baseline, right? On yeah. your metrics and your data. Yeah. Um, so, so definitely maybe, recommend so it may <laughs> yeah, be, a wearable. So maybe able to So maybe able to pinpoint exactly which strategies are most likely to work the longer you work with it. Correct. Yeah. And Uh, I suspect that as AI gets more intelligent, it'll give even more personalized recommendations. And and, uh, again, that kind of speaks to the bottom line question. As we said, this was a week-long test. Is that really enough to ultimately come to a solid verdict, or is it something that you would have to work with for, you know, months at a time? Yeah, I recommend using it for more, for longer if you want to see like actual long-lasting results. I thought it would be interesting to see like how long or I guess the results of a week long because I was switching it up every single day. And yeah. I don't see that sustainable for a whole month. But what I will say is that I learned like which routine works best for me. And I've been using that routine since. So it's been a little over two months and my sleep has improved. It is now at 93%. So there you go. Um, yep. I, I guess yeah. uh, that is the uh, the ultimate verdict. 
Again, uh, Nasha Otteridge Martinez, uh, CNET certified sleep science coach and wellness expert. We've got a link up to the uh, to her piece on AI powered sleep technology and how it uh, can help uh, help us get better sleep, which, like we said, so many Americans struggle with. Nasha, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Angela Dabosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County, is with us this morning to talk about an issue that is not unique to our community, but certainly one that is of great concern to the community, and that is the availability of quality, affordable child care. How many times have we heard about this in the news? Uh, Nationally, it's an issue. Exactly. Uh, The hiring website, Indeed, actually credits uh, 60% of employee absenteeism related to health and child care. Yeah. That's a large percent. It is. And uh, again, we are not immune from this uh, issue uh, and struggling with it in the community. So how does the United Way come into play in all of this? Well, our our three main areas are give, advocate, and volunteer. And this definitely falls into a community advocate. So we know that uh, families are struggling, businesses are struggling with a lack of quality child care within Mm -hmm. the community. Uh, But what's the current situation? So we're part of a collaboration that is doing a deep dive into that. What are the needs of our community? Where is it sitting? How many resources do we have available? With the goal of saying what do we need as a community and how do we get there so the first part of that is recognizing where you are now and where those needs uh, exist to address this problem it's not unlike any of the other things that the united way has advocated for uh over the over the years Right. And so uh, we have a survey out. If parents or businesses would like to get involved, they can go and fill out the survey so that we can get their uh, data and information. But we're really hearing from parents that say, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble staying at work. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pointing out at a system or I don't have anything to, to help my children that are sick. And how do mm-hmm. I you know, go to work and still take care of my sick child? Right. Or um, I'm planning on having children someday. I see how difficult it mm. is to have child yeah. care. Um, and so it really has a lot of um, entanglements for people uh, and families all around our community. So this survey is out now. Where do folks uh, access that? How can folks take this survey? We have a child care resource page on the United Way's website. So you can go to uwhancock.org and find the child care resources page. And on that page, there are the uh, two surveys. You can do a link to either the individual survey or I'm a business leader and I want to do that survey mm-hmm. and have your voice be heard in the community to be part of a solution that way. An important point that I want to make sure that we emphasize uh, is that, as you were alluding to earlier, this is not just something that affects families. It's real easy to sit back and say, well, this doesn't affect me, but because it uh, affects businesses, uh, in turn affects the economy and everything, everybody is kind of touched by this. So it's not just the families themselves that you're interested in hearing from. Correct. And it's not just the United Way that's looking at the problem either. So there's a whole collaboration together with uh, the largest employers, the healthcare system locally, the community foundation, the YMCA is involved, Jobs and Family Services is involved. So we have some great community stakeholders that say, let's give this our attention and see what we can do for our community. So this survey is going to be out there for how long? I would suggest in the next week or so that okay. you would get your solution, your answers into get the, the survey. Get the survey in, and then what's the next step in that process then? Well, the next step is that we'll put together a community-wide report of the results. Uh, we'll put it together with the data that we see locally as well as nationally and try to really get a great picture of where we are as a community and have all those data points in one place. Then it is where do we want to go, and those discussions will follow, and so Keep a lookout in the next several months and years of to see some changes within our community from this great group of stakeholders. Just like we have, uh, again, addressed other uh, community issues and made headway uh, in other uh, things that need to be addressed within the community, the idea is to do the same here. And again, where uh, can folks find the survey to Go participate? Go to uwhancock.org and there's a page called Child Care Resources. 
Again, uh, Angela Dabosky of the United Way of Hancock County with us this morning. Angela, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate thanks it. Thanks for the help. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. Visiting this morning with uh, Carrie Redman from uh, the uh, Finley YMCA uh, as we head toward uh, back to school and all of that. You've got a couple of uh, school programs. We talked about this uh, several weeks ago when you were here, uh, but these are starting to get more fleshed out. We're getting a little bit closer uh, to back to school time. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of those uh, things that are coming up here really quickly. Yeah, we have some really fun things. I talked about it last month, I believe, when I was here last. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Really exciting things happening at the Child Development Center. Um, Heather Moore is our director, and she's planning some really fun events for the teachers. And we have a professional development day coming up for our teachers and a family event coming up for our families on (laughs) September 1st. If you don't know, Red Grammar's coming for our families. Uh Uh-huh. Specifically for our families there. So that'll be really fun. Um, He's a musician for children. And then um, a lot of other really great things in October. She has a, um, hoping to involve the community as well in October, sort of like a trick or treat night. So more information hopefully coming on that one soon. Very good. Um, But yeah, the Child Development Center is going great. The Corey Rosson, we talked about that last time I was here. Right. Mm -hmm. And Corey Rosson is still, um, we're still. Um, working towards our license and um, opening that soon, hoping to get information out to families this week who are interested in applying there. We are going to open it up to begin with, with preschool and school-aged children only, just because of the building renovations being done, we can start there. So hoping to get that information for the, well, for all families, but specifically for registering registering the preschool and school-aged families soon. Okay. Uh, And that info will be, I guess, going out to the Y member families, uh, obviously, and it'll be up on the website for the community as a whole? Yeah, Finley Family, uh, YMCA, uh uh-huh.org will be on the um, YMCA's website. Okay, very good. Uh, and then um, we get to the Findlay uh, Yabs, what used to be Fabs. Yeah. Uh, it's now Yabs because the YMCA has taken over the uh, before and after school uh, sessions at, uh, at the Findlay City Schools. That's right. Yeah, so we're doing the before and after care with Findlay City Schools in the intermediate buildings. And we're registering families right now. So if you want to okay. have your child be involved in that program. Sign up right now. No. And the registration is on the website. They can just fill out the registration forms and bring it to the school. And and you do not necessarily have to be a member family to take advantage of that, right? Correct. You can be a member of the Y or a non-member. There's okay. different rates for that. Okay. Uh, but all of that information is up there on the uh, website as well. Which I might have said wrong. I might have said the wrong website. So <laughs> <laughs> we need to clarify that. FindlayYMCA.org. There we go. Is, there we go. Uh, the one. Um, okay. a, couple of other th- a couple of things that are just going on generally uh, in the month of August. Uh, Member Appreciation Month uh, is in the month of August, so uh, always appreciate your members, but uh, Membership Appreciation Month uh, is this month. You've got a uh, you've got a youth triathlon coming up on August 12th, so that's right around the corner, and folks can get more information on that over at the uh, pool. And what else is going on at the uh, YMCA? I guess just gearing up for back to school back to and school. You know, with the youth stuff. Uh-huh, yeah. fun Back to school, all the events, yeah. For those who are, you know, one of the things when we talk, people think about the why and they think of all the programs and, you know, the facilities and, and, and all of that, uh, maybe the activities for the youth child care, we talk about uh, YABs and, you know, all of that, maybe gets a little lost uh, in the shuffle. What do folks need to know about that? About, specifically about YABs? Well, just all, uh, the all of the, the, the youth stuff. You know, again, child development and and that kind of thing, which is sort of your area, because like I said, we don't uh, maybe think about that as uh, as much. Yeah, I mean, I think if you want more information about all of it, obviously go to our website. We have social media, so we have Facebook and Twitter uh, for the 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 Y branch as a whole. The Child Development Center has a Facebook page, so if you want to see what's happening in classrooms and fun things, you know, one of the preschool classrooms right down has an ocean theme, and it's the cutest thing you've ever seen. So if you want to go <laughs> to our Facebook page and see some really cute pictures of what's happening in classrooms, that would be a nice way to see specifically yeah. what's happening a big part of what the ymca does yeah that's yeah. right that's mm-hmm. us right uh so again uh, finley is the place to uh, find all of that information and again uh, carrie redmond with us uh, this morning uh again 
watch for the uh, stuff uh, for Corey coming out right. uh, this week. And for Yabs, you can sign up right now. Right now. Go to register right now for Yabs and look for Corey soon. Okay. Carrie, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, as you know, we have a general rule of thumb that we try to follow in the broken news that when people die, um, we try to exclude those stories, generally speaking, because it's it's just not funny when people die. However, that being said, there are some circumstances when the situation and the circumstances surrounding the death are just so unusual that it's, the story is worthy of inclusion. And this is one of those. An Italian cheesemaker is deceased, sadly, after being crushed by thousands of wheels of cheese. You can't make this up. The, the man apparently was checking on the cheese in his company's warehouse And it's unclear how this happened, but it was sort of a domino effect. There were 10 corridors of shelves that stretched floor to ceiling with about 1,600 wheels of cheese per corridor. So you do the math. There's like 16,000 wheels of cheese. Somehow, one of them collapsed, and then you had this domino effect where they all collapsed. The story says it took more than 11 hours. It He was buried in cheese. It took more than 11 hours to find the man's body under all the cheese. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. But I mean, it's sad that, that uh, the man passed away, uh, obviously. But buried under 16,000 wheels of cheese. Wow. Uh, Some of the other uh, broken news, you know how uh, Twitter has been rebranded now that Elon Musk owns Twitter. He has rebranded the uh, social media app. It's not Twitter anymore. It's known simply as X. Well, that has led to some unintended consequences, at least for one man. And I don't know where he's from, but Alex Cohen Uh, was a subscriber to what used to be known as Twitter Blue. It's now known as X Premium, um, which is some enhanced features uh, on the uh, platform and so on. It costs $8.99 a month. And and Mr. Cohen's wife uh, discovered his credit card bill and, uh, and confronted him about it saying, uh, what is this X premium for $8 a month on the Chase card? (laughs) She was thinking X premium was some sort of porn website or something. (laughs) They charged for X premium and thought maybe there was some hanky-panky going on. That landed Alex in the (laughs) doghouse. After posting about it on social media, on X, uh, the uh, post now has 11.2 million views. He said, imagine trying to explain to your wife that X premium isn't what she thinks it might be. (laughs) Uh, So hopefully he's uh, no longer in the doghouse. But uh, (laughs) the law of unintended consequences. So... If you subscribe to X Premium, used to be Twitter Blue, you might want to clue your wife in to exactly what this is. <laughs> be a little proactive on that to avoid landing in the doghouse yourself. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, uh, I know a lot of people are afraid of snakes. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not deathly afraid of snakes. I have a healthy fear of snakes. I want to avoid them if possible. Um, but no matter how you feel about snakes, nobody wants them to be falling out of the sky. A Texas woman had to fight off not only a snake, but also the hawk that was trying to eat it. Peggy Jones was mowing her lawn when the bird dropped the snake on top of her. (laughs) Uh, and as if that wasn't enough, the hawk then came back for its meal. 
Ms. Jones said she repeatedly had to fling the snake off her body as the hawk tried to grab it off her arm. Fortunately, the snake was not venomous, and the hawk didn't uh, bite her or, you know, uh, talons or whatever, take a chunk out of her skin. She is now recovering. Most of her injuries were from the hawk's talons, but not uh, life-threatening. She says she's been having nightmares about the whole thing. I can imagine. Uh, As a matter of fact, she said the story was so bizarre when she went to see the doctor, the doctor didn't believe her and thought she was on drugs. (laughs) Are you sure there isn't some sort of intoxicating substance involved in this story? Uh, Let's see here. (laughs) Elsewhere in the broken news... We've had some unusual thefts in the broken news, but this may take the cake. Earlier this week, alleged thieves in Indianapolis made off with over $300,000 in gaming cards. You know, there's gaming cards like the Pokemon or the Yu-Gi-Oh! Or um, what are the Magic the Gathering? Uh, You know, they have these gaming cards, trading cards where a game is involved. In this case, they were the Disney Lorcana cards. I'm not uh, familiar with that, but apparently the heist occurred at Gen Con, which is a big uh, convention of these uh, gamers. And while police have not revealed which cards specifically were taken, they apparently were reportedly the Disney Lorcana cards. Security footage shows a pair of individuals walking off with a pallet of these cards. One is wearing sunglasses, and uh, they do not attempt to hide what they are doing. Indianapolis police are asking for the public's help in locating the suspects. But uh, that's a that's an unusual theft. Some of those can be very valuable. $300,000 in those gaming cards. That's a little unusual. Speaking of uh, criminals, um, <laughs> sometimes... It, uh, a guard dog does not necessarily have to be vicious in order to thwart a criminal. Case in point, in San Diego, the police are on the hunt for a criminal who decided to break into a garage in the Pacific Beach neighborhood. Apparently, what he was after was a bicycle, really high-end bike worth more than $1,000. What he didn't plan on was the presence of a four-legged guardian of the garage. Um, But it wasn't a vicious dog. (laughs) Just as the aspiring bike thief was about to make his getaway, the dog rushed in to save the day by plopping down in front of the thief and demanding belly rubs and face licks. dog the dog attacked the intruder with kindness didn't prevent the getaway but it did slow it down enough uh the uh, showdown between man and guard dog turned into a belly rub bonanza uh with the thief finding himself caught between the bike and a wagging tail while the pooch seemed to get all the affection he needed Uh, He slowed the criminal down enough that they were able to get a good shot of his face on security camera video. They haven't caught him yet, but they are on the lookout. They at least have the image of his face. (laughs) Not every dog has to be vicious to be a good guard dog. Good boy. And a couple of other items here in the uh, broken news real quickly. A 20-year-old in Pennsylvania has been charged with aggravated assault and other counts following an intentional car crash into a home in Decatur Township. Uh, What's crazy about this, the vehicle bizarrely lodged itself on the roof, the second story of the home. On purpose. Uh, It happened Sunday afternoon. Evan Miller reportedly drove off the road in an embankment. Uh, The home was sort of below street level of the hill, and the uh, car crashed into the house deliberately. According to John Lepley, who lives at the home, the vehicle veered off the road, collided with the embankment outside her home, causing the car to propel uh, onto her roof. Uh, A photo shared by the local fire department showcased the surreal scene. Back wheels hanging off the roof of the porch. 
Uh, fortunately, nobody was seriously hurt. Um, Mr. Miller faces charges of aggravated assault, reckless endangerment, careless driving, and more. Uh, so we'll follow that story. Apparently intentionally did it. Intentionally did it. That's crazy. And uh, how about this? Talk about uh, best laid plans. Kaylin McRosey and Brandon Martinez thought they had the perfect plan for their wedding in Boulder County, Colorado. But Mother Nature had other ideas. Not only did a monsoon downpour soak the outdoor wedding, uh, they also had to deal with a bear that decided to waltz in and sample the wedding cake (laughs) and all the desserts. (laughs) Brandon summed up the situation with a hint of amazement, telling local news reporters, I mean, who can say that they had a bear crash their dessert table? At least, Caitlin says, we have a story to tell in future years on our anniversary. (laughs) That's crazy. There you go. Some of the uh, most... Interesting and unusual uh, stories. Today's uh, broken news report. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN has the final tune-up for the Finley Trojans on Thursday night as they scrimmage Wayne High School. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height as we bring you all the action live from Donnell Stadium starting at 6 p.m. Then get set for another exciting season of Trojans football with the opener on Friday, August 18th with Toledo Central Catholic. The Trojans play here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. For many of us, our pets are like family members. Nearly 90 and a half million households in the U.S. include at least one pet. And collectively, we spent $136.8 billion on our furry family members last year. Now, for the most popular choices like dogs and cats, the list of expenses that go along with pet ownership uh, can be rather lengthy. I mean, you've got licenses, grooming, medical care. Uh, We spend anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 annually, and that's just for a dog or a cat. You get a more exotic pet like a a bird or a hedgehog or something like that. Uh, reptiles, they can be even more expensive, largely due to specialized veterinary care that is often necessary. And some people will get pet health insurance policies, which can run $200 or more uh, for a dog every year. And if you rent an apartment or a home with an animal, you can expect to pay hundreds, if not thousands, of additional pet fees, pet deposits, and increased rental costs. So if you want to live in a place where your beloved companion can enjoy a long, healthy life without breaking the bank, WalletHub has compared the pet friendliness of the 100 largest cities in America across 23 key metrics, including minimum pet care provider rate per visit, the number of pet businesses per capita, and walkability. So you can get out and get you know, some good exercise with and for your pet. And number one on the list, Scottsdale, Arizona. The Phoenix suburb is the most pet-friendly city in the U.S., according to WalletHub. It landed the top spot for health and wellness, was also in the top 10 for outdoor pet friendliness, uh, outdoor walkability, and so on. Did not do so well in terms of pet budgeting, was ranked low there, but the benefits... Uh, more than offset the cost. So Scottsdale, number number one. After that, the rest of the top five, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Las Vegas, and Colorado Springs, the top five most pet-friendly cities. Cincinnati was the top-rated Ohio city on the list at number 12. Columbus and Cleveland were number 40 and number 41, respectively, And Toledo was ranked 87th out of 100, so not so well. By the way, Baltimore landed at the bottom of the list, so not where you 
want to live. Although you may not want to live in Baltimore whether you have a pet or not. But <laughs> there you go. The uh, top pet-friendly cities in Ohio and across the nation. So it is almost time to kick off another high school football season, believe it or not. The Finley Trojans' final tune-up before the first Friday night will be tomorrow evening. And uh, we will actually have that game right here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. I think this is the first time we've ever uh, broadcasted a scrimmage. Right? That, I, that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but it's uh, always fun. That last tune-up at Donnell Stadium, the community comes out, a lot of things uh, going on, kind of make it kind of a community day yeah. uh, event, meet the team and all of that. The voice of the Trojans here on WFIN, Tim Montgomery is with us uh, this morning and uh uh, so that's really the the whole thing is to you know just celebrate the start of another football season. It really is, and uh, it's probably as much as anything. I'm guessing that Bill Rice decided I need to kick a little more dust off before it really matters with things, because <laughs> I'm figuring what it probably is as well. Everybody needs to get right. back into this some re- rehearsal time. To get right, back into exactly. This but yeah. as you point out, they're doing what they're calling Trojan Country Kickoff, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it starts around three o'clock out at the stadium. They're gonna have games and music and activities and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. for people to do, and then they're they're going to do uh, the, the Finley Trojan Marching Band is going to be there. It's going to perform, which mm-hmm. should be fun. Yeah, um, they're going to introduce all the fall teams. Um, you know, as sort of that, as we said, the kickoff to things, and then capping it off is going to be the scrimmage with uh, Wayne. So. Yeah, um, and it was very nice of the Guardians to schedule a day game uh, on, uh, you know, so yeah. that we could get the uh, yep. the scrimmage, the broadcast in. So I thought that was really nice of Major. Well, you know, I, I I placed a call. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and we uh, have we, <laughs> yeah, we, we, have some, we have some influence. We like to think thing. we do at least. <laughs> uh, but no, that was when Bill called me a couple weeks ago. He said, "What do you think?" And I said, "I think it's great." I, yeah. You know, that'd be fun. And yeah. uh, as I said, I'm, I'm always willing to take a little extra practice at the end of the day. So. <laughs> um, you know, a lot has been uh, talked about uh, the fact that uh, for the for the Trojans this year, it's a whole new ball game, sort of. New league, some yep. new opponents. What is interesting about this, though, is in this move, usually when a team moves from one conference to another, you see a whole bunch of new opponents, but with... A number of track schools yeah. making the jump uh, to the NLL. This is uh, more familiar. Yeah, than maybe it some is. And also, changes. also when you look at the uh, non-conference scheduling that Finley's done the last few years, Anthony mm-hmm. Wayne, Perrysburg, yeah, uh, Bowling Green, who's not on the schedule this year but will be in subsequent years with the rotation. Yeah, um, they've been a regular part of the schedule. Yeah. And then, as you point out, you know, you bring along Clay, you bring along Whitmer, you bring along Fremont Ross. And then one of our non-conference games is Toledo Central Catholic to kick things off, which right. I, I told I told Nate he's crazy, but um, <laughs> nothing like jumping into the deep end. But as you point out, there's only three differences. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, and um, Northview, Southview, uh, and Springfield are, mm-hmm. are the t- three new ones, and even those are not completely unknown quantities. Uh, Southview, yeah. especially, has been on the schedule in the past. It's been a while, but mm-hmm. they have been in the past, and. Yeah. We're familiar with Springfield and Northview through other sports, whether that's soccer and uh, hockey and even basketball. So it, it's not like they're completely unknown quantities, like you said. Mm-hmm. So given that and the familiarity with the schedule, uh, with just those few new matchups, what do you what do you get the sense for the uh, for the season? Well. I, you never know, and I'm always cautious about making preseason predictions on anything, but I do think it has to give the coaching staff and even the players a little bit of comfortable, a little more comfortable with the familiar, familiarity at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. These are not completely unknown things. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter, you're opening against TCC, you know, de- defending Division II state champions and already the preseason Division II favorites again. Yeah. So if you can come out of that game looking good and – and I'm not saying it's impossible. Trojans could come up and bite them mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. If you play, but even if you just play well in that, that sets you up for okay. Well, we know what's coming up next. We can mm-hmm. handle that. You know, yeah. it's it's Lima Senior the next week, and then it's going to be uh, Southview is going to be the first question mark, and it's on the road. But yeah, I, I think. There's a lot of game film out there, and of course now there's a lot of game film for everybody, no matter what you do. Right. But, um, 
Stefan Adams has definitely taken the attitude of we're going to deal with us mm-hmm. and we're going to focus on making the best version of us. And then we'll see how that plays against yeah. everybody else. I, that, that does seem to be, and in, in talking with him, uh, was talking with the coach uh, over the, the course of the past year and, and uh, hearing his uh, comments on the coach's corner uh, and so on, which is back next week as well. Yep. Um, that seems to be his philosophy. We'll take care of, our own house and the rest of it will kind of take care of itself. Which is a very healthy attitude from the standpoint of you have no control over what those other teams are doing. You're not calling their plays. Mm -hmm. You're not working their training sessions. So truly the only thing you have control of Mm -hmm. uh, is your team at the end of the day. And uh, they've made a little bit of an adjustment on the offensive coaching staff. I think that approach is going to be a little bit different. I think if it goes the way the coaching staff wants, it should be a pretty exciting brand of offensive football. Uh, out there as well, and I they, I really like a lot of the pieces they're returning on defense. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, obviously one of the things about high school football is that you've got turnover uh, every couple three years. It's a whole new team practically. Right. Uh, so what will be, you know, what what does this team look like uh, based on the turnover from last year? Well, and I think there's even some question marks there. It's one of the reasons I'm excited about this week mm-hmm. um, because uh, I had lunch with Coach Adams and Coach Slater, the defensive coordinator, a week and a half ago when we were talking about it, and they were still uncertain. One of the big questions is how many guys are going to play both ways um, and how much are they going to play both ways because that truly affects, you know, especially early in the season when it's still hot how hard people can go, sure. uh, endurance, all those sort of things. And mm-hmm. you have some guys that you, right off the bat you would say, hey, we're just going to play them on both offensive and defensive line, and we're going to be – well, maybe not necessarily in that fourth quarter mm-hmm. if you come down to the grind. Yeah. In a similar situation with defensive backs and some wide receiver situations yeah. there as well. So I think that – when we know how that shakes out, I think we'll get a better feel for that kind of thing. You know, just as a sidebar with respect to that, um, that's another thing that's rather unique to high school ball uh, are people, uh, players that go both ways, uh, that that play both offense and defense. And at first glance, you would think a a school the size of Findlay uh, wouldn't have a whole lot of two-way players. Most of the time, I'm uh, my growing up, I, I grew up in this town and I've been watching Trojan football since I was eight. Yeah, and um, and when I was young, there were very few two way players. But mm-hmm. then when I moved into middle school and high school age, we had quite a few guys who were playing both ways. Um, I think that was more philosophical than anything else. But that led to lower numbers. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things Cliff Height did when Cliff Height took the job back in the day was work towards getting it back to we are offense and we are defense, and mm-hmm. rarely will the twain meet, yeah. uh, so to speak. And I think that was always a big part of Cliff's success during those years because we were fresher, uh, we had bigger yeah. numbers, we could carry games longer. Um, but across the state of Ohio and really across the country, football numbers are dropping mm-hmm. in participation, and we're moving our way back yeah. to the other. It's uh, it, it's interesting. Um, what about those uh, those skill positions? Um, and well, let me ask you this: with respect to those two way players, is it tougher? Do you think for those uh, the big guys on yes. the line to go both ways, yes. or the skill positions where they're you know running up and down the field? I think more? it's the big guys because first off, it's such a much more intense. Even if you're running up and down the field. As a wide receiver, no offense, love the wide receivers. But at the end of the time, you're not usually having to lock up with people very much. And that's where you're really expending the energy. And we all know. Especially early in the season. Correct. Especially when you're playing a lot of those early season games on turf. Exactly. Which is almost all all their games these days are almost all on turf. And on top of that, let's be honest, despite the fact that everybody goes 100% every play, mm-hmm. we all know there's plays where the wide receivers know that ball's never coming anywhere near them. Um, <laughs> Very and true. You can it's do just that. the design so, of the play. Yeah. So what about those uh, skill positions? Where's What What would be the ones that you'd be most watching? Really I'm really wa- looking to watch uh, the wide receiver position. I think there's a lot of guys who could really be difference makers. Uh, I think Luke uh, Luke Wyrow is going to look to be making some uh, snaps on the offensive side. He was a very impactful defensive player the last couple of seasons, and I think he's going to get some there. Um, you also talk about guys like uh, uh, Reese. 
uh, Little, who is an outstanding receiver. I think he's going to get a more expanded role. Uh, Austin Hasselbeck started making some movement in that way. If Javante Hill comes back and is healthy, uh, he certainly could be a difference maker for them. He was in his first year back. Uh, and that's at the wide receiver position. Running back is going to be interesting. It's going to be the same guys, but they really didn't see a ton of reps uh, last year. So I think they're still a little bit unknown, but everybody knows this team is going to live and die uh, to a large degree on the on the arm of uh, yeah. Brian Montgomery. Which we... No uh, relation. Yeah, which we, <laughs> which we saw last year. Right. Uh, so... Uh, we get our first look at the uh, Finley Trojans, uh, whole new ball game, new league. Well, whole new ball game, sort of the yeah. new league, uh, and the uh, new year tomorrow evening, right here on WFIN. And Tim Montgomery, the voice of the Trojans, with us uh, this morning. Tim, look forward to it. Thanks all right, much. should be fun. Thanks, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. If you haven't been there yet, check us out at goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.